0: ON TO THE SCIENCE FICTION STORY NUMBER ONE THE FIRST HUMAN DEATH WRITTEN BY ANPHIACOLEUS Death stepped out of the portal. This was sadly not quite the part of Africa. The air was filled with the chirping of birds, humming of insects, and the distant screeches of even more animals. Death preferred a quieter environment. He preferred to treat his clients in tranquility. It was better for the client, and uh, better for him. Now, where was the client? Ah, yes, follow the screams. Look for the red-on-green contrast that tends to do the work. His client was a bipedal creature, about half a meter shorter than him, and, uh, though evolution was apparently trying to get rid of that, still quite hairy. Death had treated many of these creatures in the past... He had seen them evolve first up the trees and then down again. It was interesting to see, but uh, all life was interesting. Nature was a capable artist. Yet, something seemed different about this one. It was lying on the ground, gasping its right leg. It must have fallen from some height, for the leg was badly broken, with the bone sticking out in several places. His client was clearly bleeding out, and yet it looked directly at him. Ah, you can see me. That's interesting, Death said. The client looked up, frightened. Who are you? It reached over to a tool lying some distance away. Some sort of hunting implement, Death judged. Remarkable, he thought. It should be far too weak to attempt any sort of defiance. Oh, how terribly rude of me, Death said. I forgot to introduce myself. Hello, my name is Death and I've come to take you with me. Thank God! I thought help was never coming. What tribe are you from? I've never seen you before. How interesting! It must be capable of thinking abstractly. It can think about life and thus death as concepts distinct from itself. So it is capable of seeing me, but since it is the first like this to die, nobody has thought of what I am. I'm afraid you will misunderstand, he said. "'I am Death. I have not come to help you. All help is too late for you. Your life has come to an end, and I have come to take you to what's beyond.' "'What is beyond?' his client looked up at his hopefully. "'Is there an easier than here?' Death smiled. "'I'm afraid you must understand. There is no life beyond life. Beyond life is uh, beyond life.' "'Yes, yes, but is it better there?' It is not very much of anything. Beyond life is a void, non-existence. There are no rivers of milk and honey, no lakes of fire. Beyond life is nothing. You will simply cease to exist. His client crossed his arms. Then, I'm not coming. You appear to under be a false impression that you have a choice in this. You do not. Nobody escapes death. His client gave him a defiant look. I can try, no? Death smiled again. I guess you can, yes. It just won't be much use. Death reached out a hand towards his client and arrow embedded itself in it. The death turned his hand and looked at it and the arrow was stuck between two of the bones in his palm. He smiled, disappeared. You have quite good aim, human, but it is no use. Another arrow struck his face, bouncing off of it. Death frowned. As I was saying, human, if it is no use, I am death. You cannot kill me. I am immortal. What would that even mean, killing death? Do you expect me to come and take myself into the void? It is possible, the human fired another arrow. Death made a small gesture with his hand, and the human's arrow stopped mid-air, then crumbled to dust. Another small gesture, and the same happened to his bow. Look, this isn't how things are done. I am death. Life does not resist me. I am the inevitable part of it. Animals, blood, fungi, microbes, they all die. Everybody dies, and so will you. You have no choice in this. You can only choose whether you come with me peaceably or whether I get to drag you into the void by force. False it is then, the human picked up one of the remaining arrows and threw it like a spear. Death sighed as the arrow usually bounced off his body. Look, I can appreciate that I seem threatening, but I really try to have a good relationship with my clients. Of course, I understand that my job is to take you into the void, and I understand that the void seems scary. But it doesn't have to be. You have lived your life. It has come to an end. If you struggle, you will only feel the pain for longer. The human looked at his leg and winced, and then looked back at him, determined. The pain will go away. It won't, human, Death said, starting to get annoyed. Even if your leg did heal, it is broken in 17 places. That's not to mention the microscopic ones, though none of them are clean fractures. You will never be able to walk on that leg again. It'll hurt forever. I'll make do. And what of your tribe? You won't be able to hunt. You'd be a useless brick lying around and dragging down the survival chances. If I'm so terrible, why would you have me visit them sooner than necessary? I'd make myself useful some way or another. I could teach the younglings to use a bow. Hell, I could even help the woman cook, he said as he smiled. Death rubbed his temple. Clearly reason is a foreign concept to you. He lifted up his scythe and tapped it on against the ground. A portal opened. If it's the hard way you want, the hard way it'll be. He went over to the human and tried to lift it up, but it had crawled over to a nearby tree and was holding on tight. Death tried pulling it, but it could not loosen its grip. He even tried pulling on the injured leg, but though the human cried in agony, it still would not budge. Death let go. You're stubborn, I'll give you that much, but as I said, I am death, nobody escapes me. He stood up and tapped his scythe against the floor again, and a powerful sucking force started coming from the portal. The pull will keep getting stronger until you let go. Give up now, human. You cannot win this. It's impossible. You're lying. The human still would not let it loose, but as the force became stronger, it proved unable to resist any longer and started slipping. There is always a way. We'll win in the end. Death sighed. I'm sorry, this is the first conscious encounter with your species had to go like this. I'm sure you've given enough time and your descendants will come to think of me the way I am, as an inevitable part of life. Never! The human cried before the grip finally gave way and it tumbled into the portal. As it was sucked in, it cried again. Never! The portal closed and the tranquility returned to the land. Death looked at the scene that had been left behind. He looked at the large puddle of blood, at the human's bow, now dust, and the arrows lying in front of him. And then one struck his hand. They were primitive tools, crude and ineffective in a fight against death. But these creatures seemed to be on the path towards a greater intelligence. What weapons would they come up with in the future? Death sighed. All of you are going to be this much of a bother. End of chapter. Story number two. Predator. Written by Nerda I've seen the stars blink, burning through their lives. I have floated for a cosmic season, my last meal dying inside of me. Slow. I listen for the next meal, a song of structure of complexity. It flickers in the landscape, something alive, Something sustaining The song is quiet but irresistible. I pick it apart into sounds, images, a vision of life. Awake, morsel, Earth sings out to me. Automated detection algorithms ping to change in the constellation of Canis Major, flagging an area for more detailed imaging and analysis by a human. Telescope time is rationed according to the need, More dust around Tabby's star, spectroscopy on brown dwarfs with known explanates, mapping of the interaction between a pair of black holes. By the time the dish turned towards Glennis Major, three weeks had already passed. Another day was lost to a graduate student hangover, and then several more to a professor's grant application deadline. The results were picked apart in a lab meeting and assumed to be an artifact, so another set of imaging was scheduled. Two full months had passed by the time the lab went public with the results, a new star in this constellation of Canis Major. It was dim, but it was there. The light from the star was blue-shifted, suggesting that it was moving towards Earth. The second image was more blue-shifted than the first, suggesting that it was speeding up. The broader astronomical community turned their attention towards the new star, eager to validate or disprove this particular finding. Instrumental errors were ruled out by use of several other telescopes. Processing errors were ruled out by the thorough open data analysis. More details on the object were gathered. It was confirmed to be real and found to be moving towards Earth at a fraction of light. It was currently 62 plus minus five light years away, suggesting that it would pass through the solar system in between 70 and 210 years' time depending on the rate of acceleration. It wasn't a familiar type of star, indeed it didn't appear to be a star at all. Determining its composition was proving to be a problem, as the spectrographic data reflected several unknown elements. It took years of proposing a discarding and discarding hypotheses and work by hundreds of research groups. Careers were made and lost in that time as the outlandish truth came to be understood. The object had started to move towards Earth when the first man-made radio waves had reached it. The illumination was coming from a vast fusion reaction. There were regular pulses of information coming from the object, some of which resembled our earliest radio messages, growing louder and more complex as our signals reached it. The media said that it was signaling to itself that it was a nuclear-powered death machine, that it was coming for us. We were afraid... But we had time. If so, we studied it. As it grew in the sky, so did our understanding. We laid our contingency plans within plans within plans. They are small, as they should be. They do not want to be eaten. They scream. They beg. They fight like all the rest. Carbon ash. Nitrogen fresh. Hydrogen burn. Oxygen sour. I taste them all. Their thinking substrate lingers. They die inside me. Slow. My hunger is satiated. I swim between the stars, leaving a quiet husk. I float and listen for my next meal. It wasn't as large as expected for something to survive in the void for millennia, to swim by nuclear fusion to resist the most extreme damage. We feared it was a planet killer, a sentient death star, a product of some demented or war left running on autopilot. In truth, it was only kilometers in length, like a handful of skyscrapers laid down end to end. It was a closer to an animal than a machine, a product of familiar evolution in a vastly unfamiliar environment." Like most predators, it could spend long periods without food, going through cycles of gorging and hibernating. Reptiles were the common point of reference. Godzilla, king of the monsters. Mordred, the Arthurian dragon. Gander, the Norse world serpent. It didn't sink in just how oft these comparisons were until it arrived. It had tentacles that would make Cthulhu blush. The way it moved, it was alien in the truest sense, wholly unlike the terrors of our imaginations. A body of unknown matter evolved in some distinct crucible, a mind projecting thoughts in radio. We listened to it and packed that mind apart. We came to understand it in a way that was only possible from the outside, only possible from an alien. We found the drives and brakes and stimulus it craved and those it despised, and then we reflected their mind back on itself. It was simple, really. It was a mind throws out radio waves they must interact with in some way. Careful modulation of radio allowed us to pluck the sensors and give the predator the world that it expected, hungering, feeding, domineering, invisible chains to hold it in place, an inescapable trap. Then we steered the content body down to earth. We will hold it this way for decades. There is so much to learn: millennia-long hibernation, ultra-sensitive signal detection, in-synemic fusion drives, indestructible armor plates. And when the time comes to set it free, we will then have done what we would do with predators who come too close to the campfire. I have seen many stars blink, burning through their lives. I have floated in the cosmic seasons. My last meal is long dead. The morsel earth. I listen for the next meal, but the landscape is silent. Nothing alive, nothing sustaining. I am starving. I am weak. I am afraid. An unfamiliar song, loud and terrifying. The cosmos sings in unison each star is a Dyson cell fed by veins of dark matter. A figure beyond comprehension reaches out, and I know it'll consume me. I swim away with all my strength, and I am cradled by it. I cowered as galaxies move to extinguish me, and I am nurtured by it. I am captured in its grasp, and I am loved by it. Who's a good boy? Who's a good boy? and if you are so inclined, subscribe as well. I will see you all in the next episode, and I hope that you all have a fantastic time until then. Cheers.